0: This is essential. 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 essential This is essential Audio.
1: Welcome to The Money Pot. I'm Rachel Morrissey, the executive producer, and I'm here with Sanjeev Khalida, our editor-in-chief.
0: Hey, Sanj. Hey, Rachel. We have a story today that is much more relevant than I'd like it to be as world events are unfolding.
1: Yeah. And as they happen, we are trying to make sure that we tell stories that bring listeners true value. Talking about how financial technology and cybersecurity affect events has always been part of our mission. And now that feels very front and center. But this story precedes everything that is in the forefront of people's minds.
0: Yep. And it has to do with an experiment conducted earlier this year.
2: It was a very extensive exercise that we led and that we engaged together with 13 finance and treasury ministries, together with international organizations, and we are all focused on speaking on the financial impact and remediation that resulted from a dramatic attack and it is all focused on how can we strengthen together the financial cyber resilience.
0: That was Rahav Shalom Ravivo.
2: I'm the head of the Financial Cyber Innovation and International Engagements Unit that I also established at the Israeli Ministry of Finance.
0: And she was talking about a simulation that the Israeli Ministry of Finance organized with several other countries and organizations to see what would happen in the case of a major attack on global financial systems. What they found out is just how big of an impact a global financial attack could have. And what we want to do today is tell you the story of what happened over the course of that simulation.
1: So I got to ask, how did this all come together? I mean, this seems like a pretty big deal. Getting 13 different global finance ministries to take part is no small feat. Where did this come from?
0: Well, it starts with recognizing the need for it. And Israel has always had a strong focus on cybersecurity and has a real strength here. They've always been particularly good at protecting the military sphere. The Ministry of Finance decided to invest as much in protecting the civilian sphere. And they really stepped up their efforts back in 2014.
2: It actually has an interesting story attached to it. In 2014, uh, the Ministry of Finance has a very, had very big exercise to the entire financial ecosystem that focused on different emergency um, and the problems that occurred, whether it was an earthquake, fire, missile launch, and so on, as part of the exercise. And this very small portion of it was um, suspicious of malicious code in one of a very big uh, key financial institution in Israel.
0: So this was an attempt to understand the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of their own financial systems to a wide variety of disasters and attacks. But the issue is that our financial systems are becoming more and more inextricably linked. And so it's all very well troubleshooting your own system, but if your neighbor's systems has weak points, they are also effectively your own weak points.
1: So, as a matter of course, getting international cooperation to test only makes sense.
0: And beyond that, it's widely agreed that design is 10% creating and 90% testing that creation. So this troubleshooting is all a part of the process. The difficulty is making those connections to test with your global counterparts. And this difficulty is precisely what bad actors take advantage of, and that's something that Rahav recognized. She could work on testing her own system as rigorously as she can, but that could all be meaningless if she couldn't bring a global community together.
1: Okay, so how do you do that?
0: Well, it took time, a lot of negotiating, well, it took time, a lot of negotiation and communication. In fact, all in all, it was about 18 months of planning.
2: It was a country by country and organization by organization effort. We actually had the fortune to have with us the Treasury and Finance Ministries of, of Austria and Switzerland and Germany, Italy, Netherlands, United Arab Emirates, and, of course, Israel.
1: I know how tricky it can be just to get government departments within one country talking to one another, let alone more than a dozen countries.
0: Yeah, and even beyond the active participants... There were also large institutions that acted as observers, including the US Treasury, UK Treasury, Thai Ministry of Finance, the International Monetary Fund, the Bank of International Settlements, essentially the central bank of central banks, and the World Bank.
1: So once all of the active participants had agreed to take part, the pieces were in position. So what happened next?
0: Well, preparation, 12 months of preparation in the build-up to the planned simulation.
2: One year before the simulation, we started the real work with them. The first initial meeting of the steering committee with ongoing uh, work of different groups focused either on the scenario or dry runs or goals and objectives and so on. And in order to make sure also that the scenario itself is credible, we worked with many uh, financial experts locally, globally, in order to to focus and to make sure that we are very accurate with the actual implications and financial entities that are being attacked.
0: Rahav knew that these situations are rare. It took a long time to get everyone involved on board, and it is extremely unlikely that you're going to be able to do this again. So they knew they needed to get the most valuable findings from this one event.
1: Okay, so what was the focus? What did they decide to measure?
0: Well, she's obviously a little bit limited in what she can tell me specifically, and we don't want to become a major global security risk through this podcast. But Rahab did give me this.
2: We chose very specific, centralized financial entities that harming them can harm critical end-to-end financial processes. In the world, we chose also integrity attacks where it's not clear whether the data that you see in the database, the transaction that's supposed to happen, the money that you were supposed to receive, whether it was received or not, together with fake news campaigns that we see more in the world, unfortunately, and that can really influence the stability and the public trust.
1: Well, if you'd allow me to speculate a little here, Sanj. Go ahead. So... We know bad players would likely aim at communications first, where there's also a good deal of human error possible, making it a weak point. That's SWIFT and CIPS and anything used globally for communications between the institutions.
0: And a second target for bad players would be if they use ransomware, spoofing, or tactics similar to those. They're likely to focus on cross-border payments because the regulators are largely looking internally at domestic security before they're looking at international security.
1: Basically, they are trying to attack anywhere where trust is high, because once you're in the system, it becomes a lot easier to con people who feel secure using those structures. It's actually some pretty scary stuff when you think about it.
0: Well, there's a reason she was able to convince so many people to come to the table. There are some real and scary consequences if these kinds of attacks are possible.
1: Yeah, now I'm really rooting for these guys. So what happens now?
0: Well, they decided that this would be best done in person. And so the plan was to get everyone together in one place. That place was in Dubai at the 2020 Expo in November of 2021. And actually, I was there.
1: Oh, wow. So you witnessed this. You can tell me exactly what happened then.
0: Well, no. Annoyingly, I was even at the Israeli pavilion, but I missed Rahav by a couple of hours.
1: Well... Okay, but you can tell me what happened anyway, right?
0: Well, everything was in place. The plan was to have a nerve center at the pavilion and for the simulation to start with everyone in the room together. But as with so many things in the last two years, COVID got in the way.
2: Oh shoot. The plan was to meet physically In Dubai, at the Expo, in the Israeli Pavilion, and I was there like uh, three weeks prior to D-Day just to make sure to set up everything together with my team, together with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and so on. And the plan was to meet physically, which was a dramatic ability to be able to meet face-to-face, to to exchange ideas, to create that better, that collaboration in a much stronger manner. In reality, Omicron variant was introduced to our lives like two and a half weeks before the actual D-Day, and we didn't want to change the plans of the program itself. And this is why the entire event was a virtual event where teams connected from different locations in the world. In most cases, it was like a team from the same country in one room speaking over virtual platforms, and discussing the implication in that manner.
1: Okay, so it didn't happen in Dubai, but it still happened, right? I mean, you've built this up pretty high now. We are talking about global financial security. I mean, the stakes are pretty high.
0: Okay, before you reach for the anti-anxiety meds, it did happen.
1: (laughs)
2: Oh God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, everyone was pretty clear that it needed to happen and to avoid it being delayed again, it was taken online.
2: So the actual inject started 10 days prior to D-Day. So we had a virtual system in which we sent information and actually fake posts and tweets and alerts to all of the participants for them to see what's going on. Uh, What uh, is the new intel that was found out? And none of the information was surprising to anyone. So it it wasn't an exercise. It wasn't a drill where you don't know what will happen and you need to react. Everything was on the table. Uh, Everyone knew in advance the scenario, the implications, and the real outcome was the international discussion between everyone. In reality, when we opened D-Day itself, we had a a movie that was dramatic that listed all of the different happenings. We attacked different entities, different verticals. So it listed what happened 10 days ago, what happened seven days ago, and so on, like a news report. And then the actual D-Day itself opened with a a roundtable discussion on implications? What does my country do? What do I need from others? How do I collaborate? And uh, then thoughts about uh, the next steps and the next stages.
1: Well, if it wasn't so scary, going through this simulation must be an amazing experience. I mean, the amount of material, the pseudo-tweets, the simulated news reports, the simulated fake news reports, the communications... I mean, it's incredible.
0: Well, yeah, the only way of understanding how to protect yourself against these things is to test it in as real world a way as possible, including all of the human elements. We're not talking about viruses and antivirus software. The human element is the complicated element.
1: So let's say someone hit the big red button, which sets everything going, and the simulated news reports start flooding in with reports of a catastrophic cyber attack on multiple countries' financial ecosystems. What happened then? I mean, what were the participants expected to do with that?
0: Well, the participants were expected to work out exactly what they should do if this was real.
2: So it was a completely D-Day work of 18 months, all concluded into one uh, peak, half a day, several hours, discussing together the financial implications of that attack uh, after all of the um, initial injects of threats, of attacks that started to happen in a simulated manner on the global financial ecosystem And meeting together in order to discuss the actual uh, implications, in order to find a resolution and mitigation together, in order to better understand how do we make sure that we keep standing, even though such a dramatic attack uh, just happened.
1: Well, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you don't want to be working out what you should be doing if this is actually happening. I mean, this is an example of when we'll do it live really isn't a good suggestion.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. This way you can pause, reflect on the situation, and come to a joint decision on what is the best solution, considering all of the different angles.
1: I gotta say, this feels like it would make a really cool video game. I mean, the element of racing against the clock, multiple role players balancing multiple needs with different priorities. I'm not really a gamer, but this sounds like a video game I would play.
0: Well, it sounds like a video game for people who love fintech and cybersecurity and global politics and multitasking. So I don't think it's a game with a huge target audience, but I think you and I would have fun with it.
1: I know a few people in our office who would have fun with that, too. Maybe it's more of a Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll get to work writing the storyline.
1: Okay, well... You might be about to spoil the outcome here, but what happened at the actual simulation?
0: Well, they came up with a number of requirements to ensure we have a chance at successfully navigating the defense against a major cyber attack. The first is that we must prioritize investment in the development of our technology.
2: Technology is mandatory. We need it in order to uh, remain secure. We need it in order to stop attacks. We need it in order to uh, remediate the network. I guess that
1: could seem obvious, but we've seen examples where if you go a long time without an immediate need for a particular technology being in demand, you risk becoming complacent and losing the drive to stay ahead. And in this case, you have to keep the supply ahead of the demand. In an ideal situation, people should be feeling secure, but that doesn't mean you take your foot off the gas.
0: Exactly. Then the second conclusion that they had was all-around coordinated messaging.
2: We need a coordinated message, because if one country say one thing and the other say another, or one organization says something and the other says completely the opposite, The public trust will reduce dramatically as a result of that. And once the public trust is reduced, then the stability of the financial ecosystem is at risk as well. So we believe that in any crisis like that, you need a spokesman office to be in control and coordinating the messages that are given, whether it is in the national or international level. And we have started to implement that in our own exercises in Israel. And this is a layer that was agreed by all parties in the international simulation that we should address that as well.
1: Well, that makes so much sense because as much as a cyber attack on our financial ecosystem is designed to bring down that ecosystem, it is equally designed to attack the pillars on which our society is built. One of which is trust in our institutions. And so, like we said earlier, the human element of this scenario is as, if not more, key than the cyber defenses.
0: This united messaging is important in showing that those pillars of society still exist. Just like in any disaster scenario, a strong figurehead who can take control of the messaging is vital.
1: So what's the last point?
0: Well, finally, and probably above all else, regardless of the varying priorities, it's collaboration.
2: One of the... Um Quotes uh, he was using uh, throughout the day itself was uh, it takes a network to defeat a network, and it really felt like that. The collaboration of countries working together in order to overcome uh, such a systemic event uh, is mandatory, and um, I really believe that that some is always bigger than its parts. Collaboration is key in order to be able to make sure that the good guys actually win at the end.
0: That kind of leads on from the previous point, but we've seen over the past few years just how vital collaboration between countries and institutions has been in solving cross-border public crises. Now, obviously, they have a lot more specific learnings that they will develop and implement in their planning for any real-world attack, and these three points may seem a little obvious to some, but I can't express enough how key they are and how hard they are to achieve in times of crisis.
1: And we saw a lot of that with the pandemic over the past few years. Industries with different priorities to governments, public health messaging, which contradicts public health messaging from a neighboring country. I mean, right, those three points may seem obvious, but we have a lot of work to do to get them across the line and ensure we're prepared.
0: And it's the hardest part to coordinate because it's the human part. This simulation and simulations like this going forward are going to play a really important role in that preparation.
1: So that's it for this episode of The Money Pot.
0: So we'd like to thank our guest, Rahav Shalom Ravivo, for her insight and for sharing the experience. Also, a special thanks to our producer, Roland Bodnam, who coordinates our messaging so we don't
1: confuse anyone if you like this episode, please leave us a review in iTunes, and please write us with suggestions for the show at podcast at 2020com Thank you for tuning in.
0: This is Essential Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.